Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's sermon podcast. Today is the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from a parishioner, Tom Varghese, as he preached from the lectionary, which this week was Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Tom Varghese, and I bet most of you are wondering what the heck I'm doing up here. Well, I'm here to share some thoughts on pledging on this day of ingathering. If it's okay with you, I'd like to skip discussing this parish's money needs and the theology of giving. We've heard all of that. And importantly, I'm no theologian. Instead, I'd just like to tell some stories. Stories about taking chances. I'd like to begin by looking at today's gospel reading. Here, Luke focuses on a scene in Jesus' fateful journey to Jerusalem as he enters the city of Jericho, which is a long day's walk east of Jerusalem. Luke tells us about a man named Zacchaeus, a short, wealthy man, and seemingly shunned by locals for being a tax collector for the state. Yet, notwithstanding everything happening in his life, Zacchaeus is willing to go to crazy lengths, if only to catch a glimpse of Jesus walking by. And when bystanders resent Jesus' later desire to stay with him, Zacchaeus takes an even bigger chance, a chance on Jesus, and promises to give half of his wealth to the poor and pay a 400% penalty to anyone he may have defrauded. On one level, Luke's story offers a straightforward message about helping people in need and paying for wrongdoings. But to me, the story is also about recognizing that there's something bigger than our material world. The story of taking a chance, a chance on something much bigger, on someone very special. I was reminded about the notion of taking chances on a warm afternoon last month. It happened in a rather mundane setting when I was sorting old stuff in my garage. I came across a dusty box containing items from my college days here in Berkeley about 40 years ago. In that box, I discovered an envelope containing this key, and this photograph. This key is for the room I rented as a grad student. <laughs> and this photo shows me standing with my landlady at the time, a 90-year-old lady named Margaret Gardner. Back in 1984, 
it was dif difficult to find decent student housing here in Berkeley. I was getting really anxious in my search, and late one Friday afternoon, I trekked up to Hawthorne Terrace, which is just four blocks away from this place, to check on a room for rent. Mrs. Gardner confirmed that she had a downstairs guest room that she was considering letting out to a suitable student for $175 per month. She discussed the rules for a quiet study and occasional kitchen access. She asked me a lot of questions about my goals and family background. I could tell she was sizing me up. And after she slowly looked me over, she finally said, okay, I'll take a chance on you. About a month after my arrival, Mrs. Gardner revealed that her eyesight was failing. And then she asked me to help pay some bills and balance her checkbook. <laughs> her request really surprised me, and I tried to discourage her by explaining that my intense engineering studies just didn't afford much free time. Still, she persisted, and I finally gave her a very lame response. Well, maybe. When I returned to my room that afternoon, I found a neatly tied envelope at my door. The envelope contained Mrs. Gardner's checkbook register, a <laughs> bank statement, and the nine canceled checks from the prior month. On the envelope was this message. Please see me tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. <laughs> I felt like I was being called into the principal's office. But thankfully, it took just five minutes to balance her checkbook. The following afternoon, I walked into Mrs. Gardner's sunny study and found her there with a tray nearby, with two cups of hot tea and a plate full of chocolate chip cookies. We spent 10 minutes paying a few bills and then spent the remaining 50 minutes just chatting as I wolfed down all of those cookies. This became my weekly ritual for the rest of the school year. And very soon, I startled myself when I told my classmates that I have a very firm commitment on Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. I'm not, and I'm not available for study groups at that time. You see, the English-style tea, the many cookies, and indeed the genial companionship were things I really look forward to every week. I graduated at the end of that school year and moved out of Miss Gardner's beautiful home. Four months after I departed, she finally passed away. But before I left her home, Mr. Gardner interrupted my studies late one night by calling me upstairs to her dining room and introducing me to her neighbor living across the street. That neighbor would later become my wife. At this point in my life, I can point to a few people who changed the arc of my life in measurable ways. 
And I know that the chance that wonderful 90-year-old lady took that Friday afternoon, the chance on me changed my life forever. Sitting with that photo and key in that box was this box. This box contained the manual for using the original Apple Macintosh computer. <laughs> Back in 1984, I bought one of those computers offered at a discount at college campuses across the nation. I was just an engineering student at the time, but that boxy Macintosh computer with its measly 125 kilobytes of random memory revolutionized my world. Suddenly, I didn't have to memorize weird computer commands and, or, or deal with my pathetic typing on a heartless typewriter. I could use a thing called a mouse and click, click on things on a, like a folder or a document on a surface that looked a lot like my desk. And I could create beautiful looking papers in any form. Later on, I added some basic tools to do some calculations and create charts and graphs. And I could do all of this in my sunny room in Mrs. Gardner's house, not in the dank, dark basement computer center of Evans Hall. It was incredible. It felt like a whole new world of possibilities had opened up. In my garage about 40 years later, I thought about Steve Jobs and how he and his Apple team changed the world through that Macintosh computer and later their iPhone. And that then made me wonder, do we each have the chance to change our world in really big ways? Four years ago, my wife Vicki discovered this wonderful parish and she started coming here she passed away two years ago, and I've since been coming here myself. Today, as I look around, I see the faces of many new friends, people who've helped me in many important ways on my journey over the last two years. I think we've all taken different paths to this place, a true sanctuary. But I think there is a common thread in all of our stories and that is the thread of wanting to build meaningful lives at home, with our families, in our community, in the world of this beautiful earth. And it essentially boils down to finding God in our lives and sharing love with others. Today, we live in a very battered world with the prospect of rising costs and economic uncertainty. In this setting, we quite naturally will feel inclined to retreat into a cocoon, to shelter ourselves and our resources, especially our money. But is that really the best thing to do? Especially at this time when so many people need our help? Is this the time when we most need to take a chance? This is a place where all of us, old and young, can nurture a connection to God and develop a sense of our spiritual selves 
It is a place where all of us can help make this Berkeley community a better place for everyone. This is also a place where we learn about the nuances of our own lives, the beauty and imperfections, the notions of love, of despair, of care, of recovery, of grace, of companionship, of losing a loved one. Why wouldn't we want to be part of this? Why wouldn't we take a chance on this? All Souls is so different from all the other organizations that I support. And shrinking my support just doesn't seem right for others or for myself. This is a place that's so much bigger than ourselves. It contains many layers for each of us. It's never static, always evolving. And it's where we're constantly shaping our lives. And in that sense, we're each on a path here that is impossible to walk alone. Please consider that as you think about your pledge to all souls. It comes down to the essential question posed by each of my stories. If you can take the chance on something really big with special people, would you? Sakaias, Steve Jobs, and Mrs. Gardner took those chances. So can you, right now.